Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from X-Growth. Each episode, we bring you B2B leaders to learn about their successes, fails, and what's working for them in the market. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. That's right, you can rate on Spotify now and share the pod with a friend. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack to connect with our members. That's enough from me. Let's dive right into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with Xgrowth, and today I'm talking to Lydia Lal, head of marketing APAC at Udemy, about how to build an APAC marketing team from scratch as a regional office. On that note, let's dive in. Lydia, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Shaheen, for having me. Absolute pleasure, Lydia. This is, I think, a topic that is on the minds of a lot of people in the APAC region, especially either in Singapore or here in Australia, usually Melbourne or Sydney-based, where organizations would come and hire a marketing lead. Now, whether that's a VP or a director or head of marketing, and that person is responsible for building the marketing function in this region. Now, in your opinion, where should regional leaders, marketers start when it comes to building their team here in APAC? Well, thanks, Shaheen. That's a really, really great question. And I have to say this topic overall is really close to my heart, obviously, with, you know, the 20 years experience that I've had in, you know, developing teams in the region, uh, especially over the last 10 years and the changing landscape. Really, really, really great topic area. So where do I start? So firstly, I think when setting up a regional marketing hub, even before you think about who you're going to hire and what skills you want on your team and the overall composition of the team, I believe that there are a myriad of things you should first consider even before you go down that path. So I'm sorry if I'm taking a couple of steps back, but I think it's really, really important. No, let's do it. I think it's important. Um, Firstly, you know, as a marketing lead, being able to understand the business you're hiring for is of utmost importance and really probably the first thing you should wrap your head around to understand, you know, what are the business goals, the revenue targets, what countries are your solutions going to be sold in? Um, Do you have partners on the ground in the different countries across Asia? Do you understand the differences between the countries that you're going to market to? So that's number one. How then are you planning to scale? Knowing that you're a sole marketer at the moment, you're building your team, but you're the sole marketer in region, and you're probably not going to have the ability to hire someone straight up, right? They've already made the, the headquarters have already made that investment in region. So how are you planning to scale so that you actually show that marketing is going to be really effective? So to start with, how are you going to scale your marketing programs and how are you working with your global marketing team? At the end of the day, they are fundamentally important to help you with scaling, scaling programs, campaigns, outbound messaging to support you in the region and really also to provide you with things that are just not possible for you to do due to your lack of resources and budget. So you've got to maintain the close ties with your global counterparts, whether they're in the US, whether they're in EMEA or Europe, wherever you, whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, it's critical. And you need to continue to foster that collaboration and have a constructive relationship between local marketing and the headquarters. 
because really at the end of the day they will they can brainstorm ideas with you they roll out and scale programs for the local markets and then it's up to us as the marketer or the marketing lead in 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 region to ensure that we can work in close alignment with our own local sales teams then thirdly i had that the most important thing then is and and it brings me to the next point mentioning the sales team is that setting up a strong relationship with your local sales team and leaders on the ground is of utmost importance because at the end of the day they are at the coalface they're speaking with their customers they're speaking with prospects day in day out and they are your ears to what is happening on the ground and, and around the region and this sales and marketing alignment is really critical especially when you're establishing a regional marketing hub because if you look at it your focus in the region is how you are going to support your sales team like what kind of outbound messaging do they require? What sales collateral may they require? You know, they may have different verticals in the region that you'll need to be selling into. What customer case studies and use cases can you take to market? All of these are going to be fundamental and they're going to be fundamental for the sales people because they are, as I said, on the ground and at the coalface. And of course, this is not last, this is last, but not, believe me, not not at the very least, but having the right infrastructure and MarTech, I know I've used that word MarTech, probably use it a few times in the podcast, but um, having that infrastructure, the MarTech and reporting in place is also going to be fundamentally important so you can actually measure any new programs you're bringing into market and actually start showing the ROI that marketing is bringing to the table. So all of those, I think there were about four or five, are all really key to building regional marketing success. And I have to say, you know, throughout my career, I've had a few startup regional marketing roles where I've actually had to build things up from the ground up and really lay the foundation for the region. So the above really comes from my own personal experience. And every time I approach or I take on a new role, I always consider how I may need to change my approach slightly really more to align with the new company goals and regional strategy. Of course. I mean, I think, you know, we, we, we are talking over here and we might be generalizing a little bit, but it's, it's definitely leveraging your experience and what you've, what you've gone through. And it's not a one size fit all, but I think it's a great guiding there. There is a great guiding principles for, for a lot of people who are, who are, in, who are in this position. The other thing, Lydia, that I wanted to ask you is what kind of mistakes have you seen marketers and, and kind of APAC marketing teams make or, or APAC marketing leaders make when they're trying to build their team in the region? Or, you know, whether you've seen other people make these mistakes or maybe some of them that you met, you went through and you're like, hmm, I shouldn't do that again. <laughs> yeah, look, and maybe, um, Shaheen, when I was, you know, when I was thinking about this, it was really, you know, maybe I'm answering the question just a little bit differently than maybe you're expecting, but I think, I think I'm think i going to be on the right track and you can tell me that obviously if, if I'm not. But turning it around to what lessons I have personally learned on my journey, right, over the last, say, 10, 15 years and what I believe market is building regional hubs should really be focused on. Plus, I think it's also fundamentally important that there are some qualities that you should have as well as a marketer leading a particular region. You know, sometimes I wonder, you know, do I have, you know, am I doing the right thing? And sometimes I'll consult with some of my peers in like EMEA 
because they have the similar roles. But firstly, I think it's really important that marketing leaders have an experimental mindset. So when you're starting in a region, especially a region like APAC, you need to be trialing new things all the time. And you can't be, uh, you know, too shy or too scared to trial new things, like new things, I'm talking about new channels or, you know, if there's new local partners across different countries that can help elevate your brand. These are all really critical things. So having this experimental mindset is really important. Um, Yes, of course, you also need to put the right metrics and key ROI models in place so that you can connect. I'm really big on connecting the dots and being able to measure the results. So if I get a a lead that comes in, I want to know, you know, six months down the track if it actually closes that it was from my lead that that particular lead closed or that particular sales opportunity closed, right? So that's really fundamental. So having that experimental mindset is really important. Secondly, I see some marketers, like even some of my peers that have got, you know, like VP roles in the region and stuff like that. That's they, One of the things that um, one of my mentors actually said to me was, don't rush to do everything overnight because you're never going to, you're never going to succeed, right? And as I tell many of the sales teams that I've worked with in the past, you need to have a bit of patience to enable yourself to lay a solid foundation to start with, right? And that is, and that comes with, you know, understanding the markets and how your prospects and customers interact and react. So don't rush out to hire your first hire without setting this foundation. This could even take a few months, as I said, or a year, for instance. Like, for instance, when I was at, at um, oh, one of my earlier companies, you know, back in the early 2000s, it was a high-tech company. Oh, I've worked for so many high-tech companies, sometimes I forget. But I had to wait, like, I was like nearly 18 months before I actually brought someone on board. And I was the first marketing yeah. leader in the region, right? So you don't set out to hire. I mean, I actually just hired my first one here at Udemy in India, um, a demand generation marketing manager. So it's been, you know, 14, 15 months. So don't rush out to hire your first hire without setting a strong marketing foundation. Um, You also need to have a bit of R&R, I call it. And and no, Shaheen, that's not rest and relaxation. But in my context, it's resourcefulness and resilience. I so was going to say rinse and repeat, but uh, that's that's <laughs> oh, not yeah. yours is much better. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's a good one, great one. But for me, it's about being resourceful and resilient, right? I think those two ingredients really underpin your success as a marketer in the region. And it also extends into how far you go to building a strong foundation and team in the region that you really want. So resourcefulness, for instance, you know, you need to be curious. You need to be always learning. You need to be collaborating with your key stakeholders. Resilience, on the other hand, it's all about expecting that change comes as part and parcel in what you're trying to build. So at the beginning of the year, they may have T1, T2 target countries, and then second half, they need to switch because those T1 or T2 countries are no longer what the company believes will be the strategy moving forward. So everything has to be re rearranged, uh, re-strategized, if there is such a word. But if you understand what I mean, everything, you're going to have setbacks along the way that you may need to just get up and plow along. And so agility and flexibility in what you do in the region is of utmost importance. Yeah. And, and, and it comes down to what you mentioned earlier, where 
you have to be experimenting with new things. You have to be trying uh, new new things so that you you kind of understand those and and pick those uh, potential opportunities up. Lydia, I want to touch on you talked about your first hire, who's a demand gen manager in India. Uh, tell me why did you why did you make the first hire in India? Ah, so my first hiring is so India is a, v- a very big market, right? What I've noticed, especially with, I mean, I've worked with all in the last, you know, fifteen years. All of my organisations have been US based headquartered organisations, and for me, India is a large market. It's just as big as the US if you look at it, even from a people perspective. It has, you know, vast potential considering this types of solutions that we have. So my own, my best advice was, uh, my best advice to myself was, well, I've got APAC, read, India's part of APAC, but to be honest, um, Shaheen, I actually sometimes I look at it separately. India and APAC has been different. APAC is a conglomerate of all these different diverse cultural, you know, Asian-flavoured countries, whereas India is a beast of its own. And that, in my opinion, was the justification that I had to actually pull forward for a India uh, field marketer or demand generation marketing person. Big targets in India, it's a vast market, it's got great potential. So they are the key elements that I was looking for. And I had to cover myself because, to be honest, me as a sole marketer at the moment could not manage both regions effectively and provide the company with it's due and like give it the due just just as it required so that's why i selected india no i was gonna say that that's interesting that you say that about india what i wanted to maybe start exploring was other or is is potentially other geographies so you you're saying that in your view it's india and then really the rest of the apac region i'm really curious of how you approach the rest of the the geographies, you know, um, Singapore, Hong Kong, Indonesia, Malaysia, right? How, what's what's your approach or your strategy for for some of those other geographies? Yeah. So, and this is going, you know, again, my experience, not my current experience, probably at Udemy because I'm quite sort of still quite new. But when I look at my first few hires, right? In fact, this is not the first time I've always I've hired in India. It has happened. In you know other roles I've had, I've, I've hired a role. My first role being in India because of the extent of the market, right? And to me, it actually comes down to what kinds of roles or new hires do I want to prioritize when I'm hiring, right? So the demand generation role that I've hired in India, which I've hired in other organisations, has really been that field marketing role. So that means you know hiring my field marketers in country where I'm kicking off a demand generation initiative to help drive pipeline and align with the sales team is really critical. These individuals would usually but not always be holistic or generalist marketers with experience across key functional areas such as demand generation, branding, PR, customer success story creation, account-based marketing, product marketing. Because you've got to remember when you're in region, you know, you don't have, you know, six different depart- six different functional areas underneath the marketing banner like the headquarters would have, right? So you need to be cautious in what you hire for. So if you hire these field marketers like I did in India, 
then you basically know that you are actually able to drive these critical components of marketing, which is, you know, pipeline, pipeline goal achievement, you know, driving, you know, the top, middle, bottom of the funnel. Um, and, of course, these guys need to work closely with the sales leadership and other business units. Remembering there's also time zone issues, right? Like I've been, you know, in roles where I've had to work, you know, from 5 a.m. in the morning to meet with, you know, US team counterparts to like 10 o'clock at evening to continue to work with some of my counterparts in Asia and India as well, as well right? So it's important that you, the coverage there is critical. And if you have a business with multiple brands that may cut across different use cases and segments, it's really important to be able to create a regional marketing team that can build relevant go-to-market propositions that cater for that specific country or local nuances. I totally, I totally understand what you're saying. And, you know, from our, from our agency side, we tend to work with a lot of companies that have an APAC focus. And that is just such a critical component that they might not have, we might bring to the table uh, in terms of their, those, uh, those, those people on the ground. But uh, it's, it's so critical. What I also want to touch on is what about localization translation? How do, you, how do you approach that in such a diverse geography? Yeah, look, I mean, translation and localization is, you know, it's a really critical aspect of our roles as leaders in, the, in Asia Pacific especially with the diverse languages that we have, um, the different countries and many com- and many countries, not just the different types of countries and cultures, which all also have different cultures. But content localization is not just about, you know, language translation. It sort of comes part and parcel. But what is important here is that it should evolve as the company and the marketing function in region evolves. So when I say that, you know, when, like when I'm talking to, you know, sales teams and they go, oh, you know, we'd love to have this translated in this local language and stuff like that, you know, my first sort of red flags are, well, okay, that's absolutely fine that you say that, but you're actually not in that country at the moment. We actually don't have anyone in that country at the moment. When, you, when you're starting out, you know, you need to evolve a function. You can't just get out. It's, it's about what I said earlier. You know, you can't have everything overnight. So it's an evolving mission for me to get you know things in different languages and stuff like that I mean if you if you if you look at it I mean in Asia you know most of them have second English as their second language some of the buckets that are really sort of a little bit impeded by language barriers are things like Indonesia they actually don't really talk I mean I've actually called a number of Indonesian like online publishers and I think as soon as they hear my voice and they say oh you know, this person is an English person, they actually hang up on you. And I'm thinking, you know, I've actually had to get one of my Indonesian counterparts to actually step in and maybe email them in in the Indonesia Bahasa language or something like that to actually get a first meeting. Totally get that, right? It's really important, you know, from a language translation, localization perspective, that sales teams on the ground in specific countries, you know, if you have a salesperson in that country that, you know, you look at translation services. But I want to just go back to localization as well, right, because I think localization is a different kettle of fish and I think it impl- it has different implications. So if you have sales teams on the ground in specific countries, to me you need to work with them to develop a localized marketing campaign that will resonate with local audiences. 
So by any means, you know, you can take that global campaign that was created in the US headquarters if it meets any of the needs of your target audience, but you do need to localise it. And when I say localization, it could be, you know, changing the, you know, some of the wording and, and you know, that has different implications in specific countries or changing the imagery, you know, like to be more Asian-focused or Australian-focused, for instance, because people look at those things. I know that I do. Maybe it's because I'm a marketer, but I do. And many global organisations look at scaling global marketing campaigns and programs, but at the end of the day, there will always need to be some element of localization for the campaign within the local market, especially in the APAC region, right? It's sort of that think global but act local mentality that's really, it's an imperative imperative to have for the success of local regional campaigns. Very, very interesting. So that's very important, I think. You, you're you're absolutely right, and I can totally see the value of that collaboration, especially with the sales team when it comes to localization. Let's dig a little bit deeper, Lydia. And, and kind of the last question, last point that I want to cover with you is, what about the marketing channels? How have you found marketing channels being different across different geographies in the APAC region? Mm, that's a cool question. That's a really cool question. So in Asia, in, especially in the Asia-Pacific region, I think there are many marketing complexities, including the differences or nuances between each market and country, the language considerations, which we've just spoken about, channels working better in some markets than others. One thing that all marketers that have run in, the, in this region, like including myself, know and understand is, and I think you mentioned this right up front, it's not a one-size-fits-all. APAC is not one country. And we, we go back to, you know, India even is not, it, sometimes it can't just be bucket, bucketed under APAC, right? You know, from a customer needs perspective, habits, customs and languages, it's such a fragmented region. So, Shaheen, if we take the media, uh, the digital media landscape across APAC, for instance, it varies significantly across the different countries in APAC. In fact, there are probably no two markets that have the same media landscape, for instance, in Asia-Pacific. If you take China and Korea, some of the biggest markets in Asia, they have their own search engines, for instance. For social media usage across different Asian countries, that also differs. For example, Instagram is more widely used in Indonesia and Facebook, and LinkedIn is the go-to social media for, as you know, most of our, like Australia and the US, etc. So the popularity differs across country to country in APAC region. So I guess there, you know, you've always got to, you know, have really strategic conversations even with your social media, paid search, you know, your Google, SEO, SEM agencies that you have on board, if you have a, if you have one on board, because all of that changes everything. Also, in the APAC region, digital marketing is, I have to say, offline marketing and digital marketing work hand in hand. Offline marketing actually still plays a key role in this region, right? Like in Singapore, Japan, they like to have you know, they like to be invited to events. So they like to receive an invitation to go to an event, right? Like, whereas like in Australia, I know that most of my, I do a lot of digital, like any invitations to an event comes through the digital landscape. 
But in Singapore and Japan, they also like to be face-to-face rather than Zoom calls. And I've seen the drastic, you know, sort of drop in people attending our virtual events, as I mentioned right up front, due to COVID as well. But, you know, pre-COVID, we weren't doing, you know, industry events virtually. We weren't doing web, I mean, we were doing webinars, but that was about it. Everything else like industry events or, you know, CXO dinners and stuff like that, they were all done face-to-face, not virtually. And I really think that COVID has really impacted the way we do business and marketing in the region. The fact that we had to all go virtual has to, you know, a certain extent, you know, it has impacted the region and what has happened across the region from a downturn of attendees to events, etc. Yeah, those are great. Those are great insights. And um, no, thank thank you for for sharing that, Lydia. I think there's uh, there's a lot to be learned from different regarding different channels across the uh, across the region. And uh, you 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 hit the nail on the head. Now, before we wrap up, Lydia, I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions, right? And we'll we'll go through them really quickly and uh, and and smash through them. So let me let me start with question one. Lydia, what is one resource? This could be a book, and I know you're a reader. It could be a book, it could be a blog, it could be a podcast that has really had a strong impact on the way you work or live that comes to mind right now. What's the first thing? Well, yeah, well, one that I did over the holiday break, so over Christmas and stuff because I have a bit of time, more time. I don't know if you've heard of it, Tim Ferriss's four-hour week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 the four-hour week. So yeah. I can't that's say, a, a to be honest, I have to be really upfront here, it's a great concept, I know, you know, escaping that mundane nine-to-five, you know, living everywhere, anywhere you like, joining, you know, what he calls the new rich and stuff. The four-day, sorry, the four-hour week has, I mean, I would aspire to be able to do that. And I think he's got some really great advice, you know, how you can eliminate you know, wasting time on certain things and stuff like that. And I know that I've taken on some things, like, for instance, you know, no laptops on the weekend. I've already taken that on board, you know, over the last six weeks since in the, into the new year. So that's been, you know, really, really sort of eye-opening for me. I love it. All right, question number two. If you could give one advice to B2B marketers, especially those who are looking at expanding an APAC, APAC marketing team, what would that advice be? Oh, Look, uh, keep learning and keep refreshing your skills because fundamentally things are constantly evolving in this region and anything and everything can change in the blink of an eye. And we've no, we know that that's happened because we've seen what happened with COVID. Question number three, Lydia. What, who are some of the influencers that you follow in the marketing and sales space? Yeah, well, I love my Seth Godden. Permission Marketing, and my marketing hero or my godfather of marketing. That's who he is for me. I have my old, I think I mentioned earlier, my old Stanford professor. So one that I follow a lot is Jennifer Arker. Her dad used to be David Arker, who's done a lot of the marketers um, marketing book. But she did a really great um, book a couple of years ago called The Dragonfly Effect, which I thought was fantastic. It's all about how to tell a story. And the storytelling is something that marketers really need to embrace moving forward. And she's all also, she's like a social psychologist. She's all about what really makes people happy. So she's a really avid. And from the sales side, I do have one in sales and he's actually based here in Melbourne. I don't know if you've heard of him, but if you haven't, you should. 
Graham Hawkins from Sales Tribe. He's an absolute legend and guru in this space. And I've got a couple of his books, like the um, Sales Transformation one, one of his first. I think he's a, an award-winning author. You know, he's brilliant. His, his brilliance, you know, in, and his understanding of the sales and marketing alignment and, you know, what sales should be doing and how their roles have evolved is really amazing. That's awesome. All right, last question, Lydia, that I have is what's something that excites you about B2B today? Yeah, I think I think as marketers, it's always, you know, it's always exciting when a new flashy, I'm not going to say object, but something new or flashy in the market comes out like a new app or something that promises you that you're going to get more leads or, you know, you know, bottom line is that for me, the MarTech stack has always been critical and it's always evolving. You know, if you saw the platform, you know, 10 years ago, you'll see how amazing it is and how many technology platforms that marketers have at their fingertips now that can really help, you know, optimize the different channels, show you how you're interacting with your prospects and customers. So fundamentally for me, what excites me most is about how the landscape of B2B marketing is changing and constantly evolving all the time. Lydia, this has been an amazing conversation. I think you've you've shared a lot of great points with, uh, with, with both myself and the audience, and I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. And uh, I want to say thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you for the invitation. It was a, it was a real privilege and uh, honor to be uh, invited on. So thank you. Absolute pleasure. This episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell. It was edited by Dave Samito with additional editing and music also by Alexander Hipwell. Audio restoration by Trinsky Lewinag. Special thanks to Tina Wabe and Rod Hoda. We couldn't make this show without you. The show is hosted by Shaheen Hoda. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Yes, you can rate on Spotify now, so please do. And share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. If you'd like to connect with the members of Growth Colony, join our free Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support and we'll see you again in the next one. This podcast is brought to you by Xgrowth, an account-based marketing agency with a strong specialization in the APAC market. If you're starting to roll out an account-based marketing initiative in your firm or looking to take your current program to the next level, whether it's one-to-one, one-to-few, or one-to-many, don't try to do it all alone. Chat with the ABM experts at Xgrowth to see how they can help you both on strategy and execution of your next ABM campaign. To find out more, head to www.xgrowth.com.au. That's www.xgrowth.com.au.